Okay, hey everybody, I'm Carolyn Elliott. And I'm Layla Bernard. And you're listening to the Sleep Over Podcast. So this morning, Layla came over to my house for brunch. Yes, so delicious. And we just started talking about something that um, David and I have been talking about, my husband David, which is the Pluto return of the U.S., which will be, I mean, by many astrological measures, the Pluto return has already started because whenever an aspect, you know, starts getting close enough. So I've heard some people say that it really started in 2020, which makes sense, um, when it became within a few degrees of its Pluto return. Um, But it will be exact on February 22nd, 2022, which sure is coming up. Yeah, yeah. And um, then it will be exact again on July 12th, 2022, and then exact again on December 27th, 2022, if I'm remembering correctly. Oh, so there's going to be some Pluto retrograding, dancing over that, exacting. Yeah, so it'll just keep hitting it, keep hitting it. What a year it's going to be for the great United States experiment. (laughs) Yeah, and of course, you know, there's many, uh, many things, many factors going on in the world and with the U.S. that I barely begin to understand. But something that does seem pretty interesting um, and potentially, like, right on the nose for the Pluto return of the U.S. is that currently there's this Freedom Convoy uh, truck protest happening in Canada against the vaccine mandates and all the lockdown pandemic measures and all of these other, like, super dubious totalitarian moves that have been made um and they're demanding you know an end to all of the vaccine mandates and the lockdowns and justin trudeau out of office and they're having a lot of success they've gotten an end to um the lockdowns and the mandates in in a bunch of provinces i guess right now they're um hunkered down in ottawa uh trying to affect change there and it is really funny, all of these, like, there be every, every news article I've read about it in a major, like, it's very difficult to find information. Like, I wanted to find just, like, information, like, how many trucks are there? How many people are at these protests? Which is nearly impossible to find this information. Because, obviously, like, the major media sources are owned by the people these folks are protesting. So they don't want you to know how big the protest is. Totally. I think about this all the time, Carolyn, that, like, you know, we love to pretend that we live in a like hyper informed world <laughs> where we know what's going on and like we're getting a feed and our, we have our fingers on the pulse and we can like manage the world but like how would we know if there was like all out guerrilla rebellion against the world order because the world orders media outlets would never ever want you to know that there were hundreds of attempts to overthrow them right. like you would just never hear about it so you just feel like you were an idiot all by yourself feeling like something was wrong trying to do something about it and being like well i guess i'll never i'll never make a difference because it's just me but like how would you know it was just How you? How would you know? Yeah, well, the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised, <laughs> precisely. So if it's not on TV, it doesn't mean it's not happening. Yes, everybody. Let's all just remember that simple fact that it's it can still be happening, even if they're not talking about it on the news or in the newspapers. And people so, might be trying to podcast about it. You'll never people know. People might be trying to podcast about it. So we were, um, so I was trying to find out this information, and as I was, I was reading it, the way that this is being characterized is like this multiple articles I read were talking about it as like a fascist threat to democracy and an illegal like protest by far right wing racists who just wanted to <laughs> shut down Canada for racism. I don't know. It was like very right. strange. And like, I was just thinking like, this is what it's come to is that Anybody who gives a fuck at all about personal sovereignty is now a far right wing racist. That's what the characterization is. Right. And so what it's I mean, and it's also it's so mind blowing because obviously these people in this convoy, they're they're not crazy hippies. They're hardworking people who own trucks who have been doing the fundamental lifeblood task of like moving goods from one place to another um, who have been, I'm sure, paying taxes and having their family lives. And all they want is for 
not to have a medical procedure demanded of them, an experimental medical procedure demanded in order for them to do their job. So they like that was I mean, that's not all they want, but that was like the, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back and made them decide to be like no more. And like if you think about it for any like split second of time, obviously they're extremely sympathetic characters like doing standing up for something that is just so basic like not to have weird medical procedures demanded of them to do their jobs like we would all want that and and the the way it's like so universally spun as some like nefarious uh thing and 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 as a fascist thing (laughs) which is also like so and as a threat to democracy when like it is democracy like right there are a huge number of people who are (laughs) saying we don't want it to be this way Mm -hmm. like why do we love democracy so much when it suits us and like hate democracy so much when uh we're told that it doesn't well so this is (laughs) yeah i mean i feel like these themes are all weaving together okay so a few different themes let's let's get get the weave going so this is happening right now in canada but i've read that you know, the protest in Canada has already inspired similar ones in Australia and New Zealand. And apparently there's one in the works to start in the U.S. going from, I think it's San Diego to D.C. um, and using similar strategies as the people in the Canadian convoy. And so this is what I think, this is what David and I have been talking about, aligning with the U.S. Pluto return on February 22nd, could be an actual, like, ring of giant trucks blocking off, you know, DC and, uh, how, how in Canada, you know, I, I, I don't know exactly what the gun laws are in Canada, but I know they have way less guns than people in the U.S., I don't think right? you can own guns, You personally. can't own Canada's... Can't, I, I, okay. don't, I don't... Like, police officers don't even use right. guns in Canada. Right, That makes sense. Yeah, that's... Like, I think they have a pretty much totally unarmed population. Okay, so it gets... So they're... So already these truck protests are having such an intense effect in Canada. And then if we think about U.S. truckers and all the guns <laughs> and all the the... The allies of <laughs> truckers with guns. All the allies of truckers with guns. You can start to see that this could get fairly plutonic down in um, the old U.S. of A. Yeah, and so it's exciting, and uh, also I do think it is probably a good idea, listeners out there, if you want to go get yourselves more toilet paper, sundries, everything, because <laughs> this. I mean, literally what it is, is cutting off supply chains. And that's already happened. That's how they had their success in Canada. And that's how, if they have any success in the U.S., that's how they will have it here is by like the the grocery stores not getting restocked, the, you know. Well, and like that really, I mean, it really rhymes with the plutonic return of the U.S. because the like revolution that began in U.S. was all about the U.S., deciding to block supply chains to its, you know, (laughs) governing overlord and be like, actually, we don't want to participate under these circumstances. The circumstances that you are asking us to participate in this commercial relationship under no longer work for us, the providers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the whole Boston Tea Party, everything. It's very, very similar. And of course, the in the, I guess it's called the Sibley chart, is the chart that most astrologers use for the birth chart of the U.S., um, the Pluto is, uh, in Capricorn in the second house. So the second house is the house of like goods, finances, and, wealth, stuff. Yeah. Well, well, specifically like, yeah, material wealth stuff, resources. specifically material resources, like, like, like not abstract, no. like made material, like Taurian vibes, you yeah. know, because it's like second house is also associated with Taurus, like actual tangible goods. Well, that makes so much sense because that was what was up, like, you know, people love to spin the American Revolution as some kind of like actual ideological freedom oriented philosophical 
revolution and that's definitely a justification later it was a trade war yeah so let's let's talk about this so this is oh, okay so i just there's there's I, so I, many things so i want to i want to hear i want to talk about this because this is important and yeah. i also just want to say that like just in the web of synchronicities yeah part of the way that this struck off this morning was layla came over to brunch and i asked her you know what have been up how was her like hangout yesterday with her friends and she told me that she had been to a monster truck rally. I was at a monster <laughs> truck rally, which is like so America. And I told Carolyn that one of the reasons that I really wanted to, that I got so jazzed when I was excited to go to a monster truck rally was because I was like, oh yeah. I mean, I do live in the capital of, you know, the world empire a la Hunger Games. Like definitely here in America, we are primarily living in the capital district. And so I was like, I just want to see what kind of like insane gladiatorial, like pure entertainment, pure lust for novelty, pure lust for stimulation kind of stuff we're getting up to. And like, man, just the like legions of families bringing their little children to be like initiated into the cult of like giant vehicles that are so loud and like completely overpower your senses and your nervous system with just like raw awe. Like it was, I mean, it was an amazing display. It was an amazing display of beauty and art and just like frivolity, just like pure, it's not violent because they weren't hurting each other. There was no hurting. It was all very like peacocky, mm-hmm. like what kind of cool moves can we do mm-hmm. sort of energy, but definitely like an overwhelming display of, yeah, the frivolous things that could get violent, like could represent that. Anyway, it was very... I mean, it's just very interesting. <laughs> it's where, where, you know, so you saw that like peacocky display of pageantry. power of the trucks. Pageantry the pageantry, of power. The pageantry yeah. of the power of the combustion engine and yes. these like monster vehicles. And, and then in the on the ground in the actual political sphere we have these large trucks <laughs> right actually mm-hmm. actually using their power and their size and their influence to do something yeah mm-hmm. well yeah i mean it's interesting how yeah in the american and like north american psyche in particular yeah like the truck is a symbol i mean i feel like it's almost irresistible i feel like you can't like i feel how whatever a, however much like a cynical like uh elite you know rich person you are you can't look at a bunch of like earnest people with giant trucks <laughs> saying like we're not into this anymore stop it and like not like ha- not be like moved by it like there's something moving about these like giant <laughs> I don't know. They're yeah. like they're like giant animals. They're like our yeah. giant horses, which is like I guess why in part why people like to go see the monster truck show. Yeah, it's like a rodeo. And it's like we're yeah, I mean American culture has a lot to do with like Indo-European culture. Right. Which and, is horse which worshiping. is all about horse worship the horse and, and, the and the vehicle, the chariot. And I feel like it's like yeah, the the I mean and so it's also interesting that like there's been all sorts of fuckery going on that, you know, we've been trying people have been trying to rise up against like the various like insane wars that the u.s sponsors all over the world and everything but it's interesting to me that like perhaps perhaps the like the really last straw comes when you tell all of these uh people who have a society of chariot worship and horse worship and like riding off around the horizon and like that they can't move that they right. can't move, that they have to stay in their houses and they have to have pa- they have to have more papers and medical procedures in order to fucking move. It's like, no, man. All right. You wanted us to fund your wars. OK, whatever. But you're telling us we can't move. Right. No, right. absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> it's not. Just, and it's so it's interesting. And it's like, um, uh, yeah, I'm just like feeling all of these like poetic resonances with it it's like what's ugly about america like all of this like you know the carbon monoxide and like the whatever these like commercial truck stops and this endless movement of like piles and piles of trash junk (laughs) (laughs) and it's also like simultaneously beautiful well it's like i mean it's like what 
it's the thing that we ask people to do and then they happily do it until they, you know, uh, well, anyway. Well, so what, so we, so I just wanted to like bring in this whole range of poetical things. And then we were, um, we were listening to a video of Russell Brand talking about the same thing. Oh, Russell, I love you. And he was mentioning about how, you know, people are other articles about the phenomenon we're calling it a populist phenomenon as if that were like an insult you know yeah and and people i mean right he was he was making the point that like people love to you know always say like right-wing extreme populism or whatever but like you know i that always makes me laugh because like what is democracy but populism in itself and like if it's not popular democracy then like what the fuck kind of democracy is it and so if there is like huge populist resistance to something isn't that what we would value and want to listen to if we actually care about having a democratic society and not a fascist one yes truly and then we were talking about um so what what i liked what you were bringing up earlier layla was about how there was this like populist impulse that kicked off the American Revolution back in 1776 and it was quickly co-opted by the mercantile interests the you know the Virginia farmers well it's kind of like I feel like it's kind of like the mercantile commercial interests were already looking at the rules of the game according to their overlords and being like Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. If we can change the rules of this game, we will become the overlords. And then there was also a like coexisting working class grumbling about the similar kind of situation and people realizing how much amazing wealth the common man could like access and was being taken by the overlords. And so the like populist narrative was like used by the economic, you know, power brokers to enlist more and more people into the narrative that was sim- what that was sympathetic to the needs of the economic ruling class and like even now we're like led to believe that the country is like an experiment in you know this like philosophical ideal when it's clearly been a an extension of an economic goal and i just think that that really plays into what is happening right now with the differing ideas about what's happening with covid and how that is changing our economy and like you know there's no disputing the evidence is out there like that the way that lockdowns and um you know the pandemic was managed for a brief while, everyone felt like, oh, we're getting relief in the form of these like, you know, unemployment checks and like COVID relief checks. But all of that money that we also like gladly took is concentrating in the hands of people like Jeff Bezos and people who, you know, already run the economy. So like, yeah, who's really served, you know, it's just, we're always... I mean, yeah, yeah, it's like, it's been the largest upward transfer of wealth, the largest, quickest upward transfer of wealth in history. Right, and so, <laughs> right, like, I always, I guess, in my, you know, curious mind, it's always important to, like, look at, you know, how are we being made complicit in those things that do not actually in fact serve us and like what are the ideologies that we are taking on that seem completely unrelated to helping the greedy concentrate their hordes like you know standing together with your people with other people and like not wanting to make them sick like sure seems like a very super reasonable <laughs> humane Mm-hmm. totally uneconomically motivated ideology to have like taken on and to not question because like it's just so human like you wouldn't want to inflict that on another person like I mean come on but like w- when did that when did that ideology become such an unquestionable part of who we are as people very recently and oh it's coexistent with this like hoarding sucking (laughs) vacuum of wealth maybe those ideologies are related somehow you know maybe there's something 
linking them. Maybe we're being asked to import that belief structure into our, you know, collective psyche for some reason other than like purest altruism and love of others. Layla, it's so funny listening to you because it's like on like one level, it's like so marvelously obvious, like marvelously obvious. And what is amazing to me is um, like people that I, oh God, all right, I'm just going to, I'm just going to talk about it. People that I used to think were uh, critical thinkers in some way, people who had read all of these anarchist books, because David and I were in the anarchist scene in Pittsburgh in like 2011 and, and Occupy protests and stuff. I feel like all people who are into magic are a little bit anarchists. <laughs> yeah. So like, let's just assume that we're listening. So, you know, they we have a sympathetic crowd. They had read, I knew, I knew that they had read Kropotkin. I can't even pronounce his name now. They had read, um, you know, of course, it's Marx. They had read all of these things about, um, and they were a- aware that the government was not your friend. They'd had tear gas thrown at them at protests. They had been like, really like given the lesson over and over They had and ranted again. about the like genocides and yes. the inequities that the state has and the wrought slavery, upon the people. The, the terrible transatlantic slave trade and the decimation of indigenous. So aware of all of this. The police state as a current ongoing factual contemporary phenomenon. And it blew my mind. It blew my mind when the pandemic you know, started in, I guess it was like March 2020 and when all of the news was blasting all the time. Like, I got off, like I stopped using Facebook right around then because I had this experience where I was like scrolling through and these people that I hadn't really personally hung out with in a while because I was busy doing my capitalist internet business building thing while they were busy being like, we are semi-homeless anarchist or whatever, right. I don't know what thing. Um, but I would see them post on Facebook. I saw this one woman um, who I knew was like super into eco-villages and was a doula and everything. And she was posting about basically how she was excited to have the opportunity to report her father for traveling across state lines at a time when he wasn't supposed to due to the pandemic restrictions. And she was just like so excited to do this service of turning in her own relative to the state. Yeah, that's some bone chilling, that's some bone chilling shit. It was super bone chilling. And it made me see very clearly how like whatever petty shit, I don't know, not petty, maybe she was abused by her father. I don't know. But whatever like personal things that people have with their, whatever, like the human human psyche and how much it can just erase all of the the things that it knows in service of its basest impulses is <laughs> pretty spectacular but anyways but so i saw that i saw that and then i saw um all of these people who likewise i thought were whatever far left like uh, against the state like getting so like such gushing pussies and like massive dripping hard-ons for staying at home all the time and how that's the not racist thing to do (laughs) (laughs) i know like how it all got so quickly like turned into the buzzwords that like already and like and they they were just like jacking off about like being dommed so hard by the state and what i realized was for any existential kink fans out there what I realized that is that they were, they had never been interested in the dissolution of the state. Actually, what they had been interested, what they had all along, it had been like government. You're not doming me enough, so I'm going to be a bratty sub, and I'm going to go out and I'm going to protest until you come down harder. And then the government oh. started coming down hard, hard. It was like stay home, wear masks, wear this, don't, don't breathe, speak. get these injections. <laughs> and then and then all of them were like, oh, oh yeah, yes. daddy. Everyone else feel how good it feels too, even if they don't want to, because otherwise we look kind of weird doing whatever it is we're doing together. So like we all have to do it together or else you'll notice how super fucking weird it is. And that's what I think too, whenever I see somebody who's like really jolly about their masks and their vaccine cards, it's not like you're fucking super freak like you're (laughs) 
And now Dude, it's... you're like invisible state daddy told you to put on this like gag and you're just like, yes, whenever I'm outside, everyone will know that I'm your little princess. <laughs> I mean, yes, we're all dumb so hard by it. I mean... I'm vaccinated. I got vaccinated because I was like, okay, I guess I want to see other humans and I want to be allowed to Congress with people as is my fucking birthright. So currently the world is weird and I have to do this, but okay. Um, Anyway, so we all get dommed in whatever, to whatever degree we wish to be dommed. We all submit to, in whatever degree we wish to submit. But I think it really like comes down for me always to this thing of like, if there is no longer any option, but to say yes, we're approaching a problem point that everyone should pay attention to at the very least. Like we should at least be allowed to speak about the fact that like what we're really talking about is denying people the right to say no to something. Yes. And I just, I want to make a sincere plea out there. I don't think that any actual people who still consider themselves liberals listen to this. But in case you do, in case you still consider yourself a liberal, and you Maybe just hate us. Maybe just listen to all of our foolish ramblings. Yeah, and just be like, I can't believe these people are talking about these sinful, awful... (laughs) alternative right-wing thought spaces <laughs> what fascists they are right well i was okay so if you're out there with, like, hate fans the whole thing we love like, you broke my heart yeah. was like neil young demanding that his music be taken off spotify because joe rogan was like spreading misinformation like that thing because that's exactly what like what's up with my i mean just that's, say it, Carolyn. That's, that's exactly what's up with my father. Like, my father, I feel so bad about this. Dad, if you're listening, because I know you listen to my podcast, that, like, it's like, Dad, you know, you're so smart. You, like, knew all the things about how the, all the wars and all the exploitation and, like, how the government just lies and takes your shit, and that's what they do. And, and still, because you hated Donald Trump so much, because he was such a big, blowhard, racist, rapist. Idiot. And you hated yeah. him so much, and that you know what really scratched your itch for the hatred of Donald Trump was watching all of these news shows run by CNN and MSNBC that were talking about how great the Democrats were and how evil Trump was, and you could hear people making fun of Trump, and it was so soothing. And then they they got you, and they hypnotized the fuck out of you into thinking that. They were telling the truth because they told a truth that you felt right. there was that a you rapport. resonated with. There was a rapport. It's a it's one of the it's the oldest trick in the hypnosis book, and you guys all know it. Like the rapport is step one. Yeah. And we were all on the jolly jolly ha ha, isn't he a moron? Aren't we so much smarter than the people who like him? And then as soon as that is as soon as that bridge is connected and we all feel so cozy and warm and like in sympathy with each other, then all you have to do is be like, well, you know, the people who hate Donald Trump are willing to do this. If you really hate Donald Trump, mm-hmm. then this is what you'll think. And if you're really somebody who knows that Donald Trump is a complete idiot, mm-hmm. then you will also understand that X, Y, and Z is the gospel truth. Mm-hmm. And it's all just like a very insidious little, yeah, I totally... Yeah, it's super amazing. So that's very well said. It's like they got all of these um, earnest liberal boomers into like super deep rapport with them through like talk hating on Donald Trump. And then they were able to be like, yeah, all of these insane pharmaceutical petropharmaceutical industry sponsored things that we would like you to do i mean like pfizer is the sponsor for all of like for all of the cnn shows all the msbc i don't know probably i don't know who sponsors fox but anyways that that even even people as smart and brilliant and creative and beautiful as neil young can just be like like into that it is like, oh God, it's so gross. I mean, it's, it's so gross to see. Yeah, yeah. So hypnotize yourselves to freedom, folks, because yeah. there's people vigorously trying to hypnotize you into whatever their, like, personal corporate <laughs> agenda is. Find, find 
a way to not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just so that everyone knows the deep end that I, you know, have fallen into. One of the things that when I remember when like the pandemic first struck, um, I just remember being like, oh, <laughs> people are not going to go for this. People are American. People are definitely not going to go for this kind of thing. There's just no there's just no way. Um, but then I realized that what happened was um, everyone's ideas about the right thing to do were swirling around this unspoken cultural understanding that like death and disease are evil, bad and wrong. And that it is our job to end death and it is our duty to like be in all out war against disease and weakness and like we should definitely protect everyone from their weakness and we should definitely eradicate all kinds of possibility of disease so that no one dies. And I just like became so sad for us because like I can really feel how it is through our collective hatred of death and our like total disdain for disease that we are just like led about by the nose as like the weirdest kind of slaves and subs. Because like, if you admit that you are okay with disease and dying, first of all, you're a fucking hateful asshole and like no one likes you because like, how dare you? And you're just like a huge downer because like eternal life forever. Um, But you know, like, anyway, I don't know exactly what I'm trying to say here, but like, it is our f- collective fear of death that no. makes us so, I mean, so easily controlled. So you. easily controlled. I hear you, Layla. I feel like it's worth repeating. I feel like we've talked about this before. Maybe we could just talk about this every time and it would still be like, I mean, I think it's still a fresh enough message that the world needs to hear more of it, which is, yeah, David and I have talked about this a lot. Like, you cannot control a people that is not afraid of death. Right, it's when not possible. People, right. When people love death and they're like so like ecstatically happy to like return to the gods and be recycled again through the tree of life and they're like so cool with They're it. like, put me back on the breast of my mother. Let me like taste the sweet milk of life again. I like go into the abyss like blissfully knowing that that's what awaits me. Those are some unfucking governable unoppressible people. Yes. <laughs> So, so there is like, correct. Thank you, Carolyn, for understanding my like deep grief when I see people like cower, cower in the face of death, you know, and like Charles Eisenstein got his genius, beautiful, compassionate, critical thinking ass canceled by all the critical thinkers out there <laughs> um, for daring, daring to assert that there are elderly people in the world who are like, you know, I'd rather see my grandchildren than live another 15 years in isolation. People got fucked up by that. Like, like they were surprised that old people might value quality over of life, quality of life over quantity of life. That. Because like, like, <laughs> Because obviously everyone, especially the older you get, is supposed to become even like more and more cowering and fearful of death as opposed to becoming a mature spiritual human being who is like, ah, yes, I see the pearly gates approaching me. How will I like sip the most delicious nectar from this realm while I'm still here? You know, like Mm -hmm. that's spiritual maturity. Like it's coming. Don't fucking cower. Why are, what the fuck? Anyway. Thank you, Layla. Well said. I mean, I, I, I couldn't like agree my, more. my gothic barbarian warrior ancestors are really trying to speak through me now. They are speaking. They are succeeding. Oh, Layla. Oh, fearsome Layla. They have succeeded. Um, I... Well, I mean, I learned so much about the, like, gothic stream of, like, belief in eternal life mm-hmm. from you. Mm-hmm. Um... And that has really, like, turned me on ever since I started 
really understanding that like, and this is a huge part of all indigenous belief that like we are our ancestors and our ancestors are us. And like our children are, you know, gifts of the ancestors. I just want to pause and appreciate us. Whoops. Sorry. I just want to pause and appreciate us Layla for being such, um, really like serious (laughs) rainbow pastel Midwest mom goths. (laughs) I know. I know. Really, I mean, if you can really see cute. the way that Layla and I dress, there's a lot of, there's a lot of pink, there's, there's a lot like of, rose. there's glitter, rainbows, <laughs> roses. I mean, and a heavy dose of black, like we, but like velvet, like Carolyn loves black velour <laughs> so much. And we're just, and we're actual goths. Like we actually like spend all of this time thinking about like the actual gothic spirituality of like eternal, of like eternal life and the, like the love making of death and life <laughs> and just like. Yeah, how we will never leave this realm and there is nothing that can actually be taken from us. So why not crash violently into the future without fear? Without fear. Because that's the thing is like, um, we were talking with our friend Brown about this too. Mm. By the way, Brown, I'll be sending out an email soon because our friends Pamela and Brown are really uh, great medicine people they carry and they transmit medicines uh from the amazon and it's a beautiful beautiful experience with them and brown was talking about how there's people who do this like cringing thing and the difference the opposites are not really life and death the opposites are like this cringing misery versus life and death (laughs) and it's like you can choose to just open yourself up perpetually to um to really living a great life by just accepting how much death is always with you at every move and every moment and is always you can just open up and enjoy that presence um or you can like cringe and be miserable about it and that's actually it's like that cringing contraction that like whimpering cowering like no I don't want to die no I don't want to be hurt no I don't want to get sick that fearful avoidance of the the downslope <laughs> of the human roller coaster mm-hmm. it's like you you're just being a little bitch who's afraid of roller coasters that's all <laughs> like it's just right and you're on it whether you like it or not like no amount of cringing and whining will get you off of it and the more you cringe the more you may be given your material comforts to cringe within to pacify you while other uh warlords <laughs> come and just like do whatever they want to you literally whatever they want to you and you will say yes please thank you <coughs> it's what i always wanted so i guess <laughs> as long as you don't kill me as long as you don't kill me i will take any kind of bizarro debasement anyway yeah precisely precisely it's it's the very opposite of give me liberty or give me death it's like give me cheetos and netflix and give me extreme oppression and we're cool (laughs) (laughs) um so but here we are i mean you know i know i mean i'm not out there in taking a stand i'm not because i'm like i want to say shout out to the one person that i know well i know actually several people personally but like I want to say shout out to my friend Daniel who like is doing his very best to live completely outside of it and has no electricity and no running water and like is trying to completely live outside of it. And yet there's no way like we talk on the phone. He messaged me on Facebook Messenger like we're all in it. There's Mm -hmm. no way out of it. None of us is above it. And there is, you know, I feel like compassion for our like extremely subby nature well you know what i'm yeah i feel compassion for it too but you know what i've been having this kind of like poetic vision lately somebody was describing to me about um octopuses and how they like you know they so rapidly move and change color and change shapes depending on like their mood and so i'm sort of pretending that like all of these people including myself certainly not outside it or above it manifesting this cowardice is like a color of the octopus that we're on and it's like a color that the octopus has been showing and then the octopus like moves and wiggles around and like it all ripples out to show another color you know as consciousness dances with itself i mean i I have gotten pretty bored of this color so i am really (laughs) but it is changing but like things are changing like that's the thing that also blows my mind and that i think i was trying to remind layla of this like 
the way, here's a way, here's one way that I know that human consciousness is evolving. Like when I was in high school, it was completely cool to joke about raping people. It was completely, people shouted the N word and every other slur all like, around And like in the, the 90s, we were all calling things like gay as a like derisive way of talking about oh them. yeah and talking about like slut walks and walks of shame and like yeah. all of these like bizarre things were like i mean super aggressive misogynistic sex hating yeah. things super Cult racist of sex things. and violence like, yeah. super like actual like aggressive <laughs> racism <laughs> not like whatever um the skewed <laughs> i can't even i don't understand the modern discussions of it but anyways so there, um, those that things was happening. Cool those things, those things cool are now. not cool. They're not cool. And I'm grateful for that. I am it's very true. grateful that there has been like a larger, rec- they're not, and they're not cool at a deep seated level because there has just been a recognition that bubbled up of like, Oh, women are human beings. Oh, oh my God. everybody's a human being. Like that has actually been coming up in the, <sighs> The people feel that in a way that they did not seem to be able to intuitively feel that. Right. We were all able to make collective jokes like that wasn't true and be like, yeah, cool. Not the case. Mm-hmm. We were all able to like suspend our disbelief. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. No. Consciousness is definitely evolving. Yeah. Oh, man. That reminds me of like a side thing that happened to me last night at a dance. Uh that just really got me, like, as you were talking, Carolyn, about the colors of the octopus, it really got me thinking about how, like, people love to construct their identities and, like, make friends and whatever through, like, shared ideology and opinions. And I mean, yet, that's what all of my friendships are based upon. <laughs> right. And yet, like, and yet, like, at the deepest level, like, so many people are willing to just, like, utterly shift those identities and ideologies and opinions for the deeper thing, which is connection. Mm-hmm. Like I was talking to a guy, like, you know, I was at a bar last night and someone, I and I wear like a coyote fur uh, neckerchief. It's so hot, everybody. <laughs> um, and I get a lot of compliments on it and people really love it. And so this gentleman came up to me at the uh, bar last night and was like, oh, I just love your fur. It reminds me so much of a fur coat that I got. And I was like, ooh, a fellow fur lover. Wonderful. And so he was telling me about this fur coat that he got. And I was like, well, is it real fur? And he was like, oh, no, I don't do real fur. And like, I just stood there kind of neutrally and didn't, neither gave him confirmation of the correctness of his anti-fur ideology, nor like challenged him in like his anti-fur <laughs> ideology i just sexy equanimity just, thing yeah just like whatever he like expressed to me like oh no i definitely don't do fur but then i think he had a moment in his mind of being like oh but like maybe she's wearing real fur and i was but like whatever the fuck who cares like i'm anyway doesn't matter so he was like well it's not like i'm like a fucking vegan or anything it's not like i like go hard for like animal rights or whatever it's not like an ideological thing i just like totally don't do real fur and i was like this is exactly the like weird position that we are all in where so many people have like super strong beliefs Mm -hmm. but that like they're completely willing to also have like totally the other belief at the same time in order to just like have a goddamn human connection. Mm -hmm. And I think maybe some people would hear me say that and be like, Oh, that's so fucked up. People should really stick to their guns. But honestly, I'm just really much more on the like slutty horror (laughs) side of like your opinions about things just aren't really as important as like the connections that you want to make with other human beings and like well and and that's i think that's an amazing way in which connection is a spiritual path like the the bhakti the devotion of like loving loving other human beings and being able to like um it you if you fall in love with enough people you notice that they have very different perspectives and you love and you find very sexy many things about all of these astounding array of perspectives you find that there's deep contradictions woven into every person that you fall in love with including yourself of course and you start to understand you know you go from innocence to experience and start to understand that like these cognitive um 
little decorative furrows that we all dig for ourselves <laughs> in the ground of our mind and through which the waters of our energy flow are simply changing designs, ever-changing designs. <laughs> yeah, and like, and at best are pathways of connection and like at worst reasons to like murder each other. <laughs> Your choice, you Your know, choice. like you get to either like flow in the same direction or like flow in a countering direction. I should think, you like, know what? I think I could share something positive with the people at home in case anybody is still <laughs> feeling really super sensitive about political matters. Something that really helped me, uh, really, really helped me with this, um, entailed just allowing myself the forbidden thought this is a highly forbidden thought in our materialist culture, but I allowed myself the forbidden taboo thought of perhaps the solution does not emanate directly from the material realm. Perhaps if there is any, any change that can occur, that that change occurs on a plane that is somehow related to the material realm, but not a matter of Newtonian cause and effect or whatever, because if things are simply relegated to the, like, hmm, what? Anyways, it's all stopped making sense to me. And I guess I, my mind was just willing to accept that any, um, any improvement in beauty that I could wish to experience would have to come from uh, a spiritual opening. And so that that, need, that was very likely true for everybody else and for the whole world that a change needed to happen in consciousness in order for anything to start manifesting differently. Right. And I guess astral consciousness is where I decided that that is <laughs> in, in the sense of like the plane that is directly, according to uh, the tree of life, the plane that is directly above the manifestation plane of the physical world is... Um, the exotic astral realm. The exotic astral realm. And so as I've gone more fully into that, it has become like very clear to me um, the way that I guess I start to see the way the astral rulership works in the sense of like, you know, the tides of awareness, like being connected to um, the stories that are being told right, at, in a news way, or through movies, or through television shows, or through books. And sometimes, on the optimistic side of things, I am generally amazed, ge genuinely amazed at times, like the fictions that bubble up into the mass consciousness, and how like powerful and beautiful they are. Totally. And I feel like you can't make good art while being a propagandist. It's not actually possible. And so when actual good art happens, it is actually, you know, growing something wonderful in the, in the minds. But, and that that's where the change is happening. It's in the stories that we tell and in the truths that we're willing to inhabit. And until we, uh, until there's like a certain magnetic density I like to think of it in terms of like mag, like, um, you know, like a condensing toroid sphere of willingness to die. Mm -hmm. Like, yes. The, the sort, and that's, you know, they call it Christ consciousness and Christ was willing to die. He said, there is no greater honor than to die for one's friends. So what I see, and it's, I'm not, you know, it's not in a morbid way, not in a suicidal way, but simply in a way Caroline of like, did just put up her black hood though. As she's <laughs> As she's preaching the gospel of Christ-like death. Just simply having the willingness in one's soul, the like the yes saying, the like Walt Whitman level, like, yes, it is an honor to be born. And I tell you, it is just as lucky to die. Like just that like good old American Walt Whitman surrendered attitude that creates its own, you know, shape in the ethers and then things can move in material ways. I feel, <laughs> I think I'm explaining this very poorly, no, but that's like my right. little humble intuition of how like I lost, I guess, activist or political consciousness and instead became more interested in um, what I could do on the spiritual realm or the astral realm 
instead of what I could do materially, because what I can do materially is very limited compared to what the government and their tanks can do. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> right. Well, and that's why we have to keep throwing the best, most amazing, most mature, most cool, fun, magical parties on the astral plane as well, like our sleepover mystery school, because, you know, just like you might have your little handgun, but the army has tanks, like, you know Mm -hmm. people in power do some crazy rituals. Mm -hmm. So we all have to lend our part on the astral plane and join in the group ritual for, like, life and love and fearlessness. You are really bottom-lining the important piece here, Layla. (laughs) Yes, that was the important part of all of the rant that I was on, was that... There's change that can happen at the level of magic and ritual. And yes, exactly what you said. Everything <laughs> about the people in power are doing some intense ass crazy rituals, some like ancient, terrifying Saturn battle magic. And yeah, behind the scenes, <laughs> like, behind the scenes of all the like literal sigils and logos and like word and like hypnosis of like communicative power, there's also magical power. Anyway. We're all just magicians <laughs> vying so, for control over so, the... Cre- yeah. We're all just creators. We're we're, it's like the game of Go, Carolyn. It's like the game of Go. We are well, so, all just know, creators so is- trying to make life in the astral realm and, like, take up more of the astral territory with, like, our vision of what this material realm should be like. Well, precisely. And since this is a sleepover podcast, we run something called Sleepover Mystery School. I feel like it should be unsurprising at this point that there should be a shameless pitch that you come join our Sleepover Mystery School if you want to be a part of the this really intense kind of magic that anchoring is directed. On the, anchoring on the astral realm, the like... Astral vibra- activism at astral- its finest, oh. involving lots of roses. Yeah, I can't <laughs> believe that we just came out as astral activists. I think maybe for the first time, because, you know, that's something that you and I both really share, is that, like, I spent, you know, the last 10 or 12 years of my life in a very, like... Gandhian nonviolent anarchist revolutionary attitude trying to like do something and then came to the shuddering conclusion that like it's a revolution of consciousness that is required mm-hmm. nothing nothing in this realm the order of how the lego pieces of this realm are allowing themselves to fit together will not change until like they emanate differently mm-hmm as created objects like until something about how we think those things go together changes they'll just keep going together in the same way they always have mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah playing those mind games My, playing those mind games together yeah exactly until the rules of the mind games change in our own minds then we'll keep playing the same fucking game so that's what our mystery school is about. Um, I was thinking to write an email about this soon because um, I feel like what the mystery school is about is like genuine wholesomeness, like the wholesomeness, which is wholeness, which is being that whole pulsoi- pulsing toroidal, you know, uh, God flux of manifestation and, um, and things that wholesomely embrace the energies of sex and death and arrange them into a pattern that is beauteous. Right. And not fearsome and not. Yeah. Yeah. Or not. Yeah. Like not taboo, not like deep, not unbalanced. Yeah. Right. Not like weirdly unbalanced and distorted. Yeah. Ugh, there's so much here. You know what I was also thinking about? I guess we're on a tear today. (laughs) I just feel like it's also worth, we've, this has been a really thinking about coherence as like the vibration that creates beautiful Beautiful. patterns right you know like so high vibe and low vibe i think about this a lot like the low vibe is the disorganized vibration that is confused it's like it's it wants it thinks want it thinks it wants a bunch of different things and as long as there's that confusion that is like the vibration of incoherent desire and um yeah, and like shattered, fractured ugliness. Yes, and that and it creates these manifest patterns around that look like, you know, these horribly ugly buildings and these horribly sad situations. And yes. And that holding... Um, so then the alternative 
what gets called high vibe is a vibration of like harmonious coherence. Right. Like where there's, so like every part is saying, um, like, yes, I want this. Yes, I want this to the same thing. And there's not internal contradiction and an internal dissonance. So it's a coherent, harmonious, resonant tone. And then that vibration materially creates lovely, bounteous patterns around it. So, um, so then the question for me has been, well, how does one create unity within the soul, within the, the vibration, the energy that the soul is putting off? And Kierkegaard said it so beautifully. He said, um, purity of heart is to will one thing. And the way that Kierkegaard discussed it uh, had to do with, we have um, as humans, right? Like I was just talking about like the ability to think we desire, you know, lots of money and we desire our friends' affection. And we desire, so we have all these things that we think desire and, and um, conflict with each other in some way. So maybe if I get a whole lot of money, my friend will be jealous. Maybe, blah, 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 blah. you know, all of these like conflicting aims. Yeah. And purity of heart is to will one thing means, well, you stop willing all of that particular stuff and you just will the will of God. Like whatever, you know, whatever's like, I'm down, I'm into it. I'm willing for it. I'm willing for um, the whole thing to flow through me. However, it must flow. And so you're willing this one thing, and that's the coherent, resonant vibration, what I also like to call the electric yes, mm -hmm. that just is ecstatically dying and being reborn and orgasming and letting ourselves, the more we let ourselves resonate with that, the more, um, the more we see patterns of beauty and wholeness and stable fertility in our lives yes and damn it is a challenge to like get to that level of purity of heart because there's very little in our culture that supports it and it's not like it's easy to go meditate on a mountaintop like hmm. yeah i mean exactly it's it's very difficult in these like uh, truly diabolical times to like stand in the middle of things and be like, mm, yeah, well, I mean, like we were just talking earlier about, you know, the heroic, righteous, uh, rebellion against, you know, mandated vaccinations of people. And also, um, you know, I recently, uh, you know, how do, how am I gonna say this? as much as I like totally and utterly like love the rebellion, I mean, believe me, the rebellion is the most exciting thing in the whole world. I always have to remember that like the rebellion exists because the oppressor exists. Mm. And so as long as we love the rebellion oh. so much, there will always need to be that oppressor. And, you know, it's funny cause I, um, an acquaintance was talking to me at a, a gathering about how like, when are people going to wake up and like rebel against, you know, these overlords who are making us do these things and aren't they going to see that like, we can't, we can't be put down forever. And there was a part of, there was definitely a part of my soul that was like, Oh no, no, no. They'll always be here. Mm -hmm. Like it's not ending. This is the, this is the game. Mm -hmm. This is the game that we're playing oh, yeah. in this realm. And like, there will always be this conflict. And as and long as you're getting off on the <sighs> taking a stand. One way or another, it's just you, I mean, you're just really, you're in it. I can definitely, I see that. That's a way where my will needs to be purified, Layla, because I can still definitely get off on thinking about watching it all fall. <laughs> I mean, I love it's it too. change. Oh, I, well, I love the change. I mean, that's the yeah. thing is that like, I think really I love the change and like, 
like I was saying, it's like the go board, like the two, the competing forces are just doing mm-hmm. their thing mm-hmm. and here they are. And like, I feel like that's the purity of submission. Mm-hmm. You know, like I think about that when I got myself vaccinated, like on some level, I'm like, fuck this. I fucking do not want to do this. But I'm like, also, I want to Congress with the rest of the world. So like, mm-hmm. here I am congressing. Mm-hmm. Like we're just congressing in the mm-hmm. soup and like, it's not personal. And I see so many people, like, I fully, like, in my heart, love the, like, resistance to fascism and, like, the Mm -hmm. resistance to, like, mass vaccination or mass anything. Like, any kind of, like, fully agreed upon sort of, like, enforced whatever, Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, I'm I'm here to fight against that. And also, um, oh, man, where am I going with this? Uh here I am like just going along with it. <laughs> All right. Well, we just learned that our recording app automatically ends the recordings at one hour, which was something that I guess we've reached that limit before and not really understood why it wasn't recording. <laughs> so now at least we know that if we really get on a tear, we should manage that a little better. And I was just saying to Carolyn, we really need to say thank you to all of our devoted listeners who just, listen to our completely unedited completely off the cuff spontaneous real life authentic ramblings and enjoy us in our trashy unrestrained (laughs) sharing of whatever it is that we want to share with you thank you all so much thank you it is a pleasure to be received it's so good it feels i really feel loved by it i really feel felt Mm -hmm. yeah it's beautiful. Yeah, so like and subscribe and leave a little review and tell your friends to tune in to Carolyn and Layla's Sleepover Podcast. Goodbye, everyone. <laughs>